0: Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, considering thoughts from Grant McCaslin, Tim DeRooter, and artificial intelligence on the sideline.
1: You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: We're going to start this thing off right. Raiders! Raider! 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 Everything runs through love!
0: Great to be with you again on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. Always appreciate being your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. He's the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. And yes, today, make sure the ears are cleaned out because we're going to be taking in some sound. We will get to Texas Tech defensive coordinator Tim Deruder and some thoughts on the defensive side of the football as Red Raider spring football camp rolls on. but. Wanted to begin the program, Chris, as we take a listen to a guy I'm not sure many Red Raider fans have even heard the voice of. That is what is expected to be your next head men's basketball coach, Grant McCaslin, current North Texas head coach. They've got an NIT tip-off coming up tonight. You win that championship game later in the week. Either way, yada, yada, yada. Yes, I'm yada, yada, <laughs> yada the NIT. If you missed yesterday's show, well, you missed this tidbit from Chris Level. That there is some expectation of resolution this week one way or another, Chris. I I don't know when his team will be finished with the tournament, but uh, it seemed like you you had some fairly strong words about a general timeline this week that we could expect uh, maybe to see something bubble up to the surface finally as we've been waiting for some resolution, right?
3: Yeah, I again I, I think everything points to, to to Coach McCasland here. Um I think the the, the lull and in any kind of activity. I think the Texas Tech has found their guy. <clears throat> and I just think uh I, I think the, the lull has been created by I'm I'm going to to guess and you you'll hear him in a second kind of explain why it's so important, but I just, I just think he wants to see it through as we've touched on with, with his, his team here. And, and this is a North Texas team. It's, it's kind of funny because y- you've got some conference USA teams that are still playing here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and UAB is on the other side of the, the NIT semifinals and then old, old Florida Atlantic uh, is made it to Houston in the final four. And you know, Grant's team lost, I think, to Florida Atlantic twice this year by four points each time. And as mm-hmm. we know, it's a
0: really good uh, Florida Atlantic team. Uh, so, man, you're just you're, you're making me think too of Mike Aresco. Isn't that the Conference USA <laughs> commissioner? I think. And he's always out there. He's like, "See, I told you, it was Power Six. It's Power Six. Uh, wrong sport, Mike. Actually, this one we do allow for a Power six. But it ain't you. <laughs> it's yeah. the Big East. Sorry, I just had to get in that shot because I always enjoyed the humor in the football approach to the Power Six, which Conference USA beat that drum louder than anybody.
3: <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's, you know, I, I think a lot of times they try to, you know, it's like witchcraft, like trying to make you see some things that aren't there. But in yeah. this case, I guess uh, you, you do have a team in the Final Four and you've got uh, two in the, in the NIT Finals, but... Yeah, but I, I so I, I do I do think as soon as uh, their last game is played, I think we get we get closure here. Now, I, I, th- I think it's not immediately after. Look, and there was a part of what you'll hear here in a second is there was a press conference in Las Vegas yesterday. Nobody asked uh, Coach McCaslin at all about Texas Tech that I could uh, determine, and right. that was yeah, interesting, I, wasn't it? I thought yeah. that was a guarantee. Yeah, so. The the folks in Las Vegas may not actually be covering it a ton. I think there's some folks from North Texas that are that are up there, covering it for the the Denton paper or whatever the the campus radio station, whatever you have. And so maybe they're just not too inclined to be curious about that. I, I don't I don't know. But uh, <laughs> if, we,
0: if we cover our eyes, they can't see us,
3: kind of thing. Yeah, don't that's ask, exactly. don't tell. <laughs> that's
0: exactly right. So. Good luck Uh, with that. Yeah. but Well, let's go ahead and take a listen to Coach McCaslin because I think this does tie into what I've seen in in some YouTube comments and heard from some Locked On Texas Tech viewers and listeners. Kind of a general feeling, and I think we had this comment yesterday, uh, on yesterday's show, a feeling of, it ain't the Final Four, it's the NIT. Get on to the next job. Obviously, teams have gone on with interims or whatever after their head coach has taken – another job. You see it play out in bowl games year after year after year. And I guess some fans are, are frustrated with the fact that that hadn't played out here. Look, I don't know what the right answer is or, or how you want to handle it, but I, I think you want to want to try and bridge the gap as gracefully as you can. So I'll just hope that there's some motivation based in that, but we wanted to bring you this sound from coach McCaslin, let you have a chance uh, to first hear his voice. If you haven't heard it before, he is a real human, not a bot, not a sentient AI, <laughs> as far as we can tell. Though maybe that's coming up around the bend, be cheaper that way, right? Wouldn't have to pay an 80 year old dude. Um, either wow, I just got off on a tangent there and my brain is just working overtime on AI head coaches. Okay, next coaching change, maybe we'll get into that. But I also wanted to let you kind of get a feel for his vibe as it relates to the NIT because I think you can detect some care factor and some things that are kind of in that category here. Here is current. North Texas head coach, Grant
1: McCaslin. I guys will tell you that the moment we unfortunately didn't uh, win the conference tournament, I went in there and tried to turn the page as quick as I could and just told them, like, I love being with them. They love being with each other and we're gonna go win an NIT championship. And so that's a hard, con- I, it's no fun. I mean, you walk in those locker rooms in those moments and there's a severe amount of disappointment, but I was, Because of the experience that we had, and I know how much fun it was to do that, and when you get there, I just didn't want anything to linger. And everybody tells these guys that we're gonna make the NCAA tournament, we know we were past the next group out. Uh, Even though we did have the best net of anybody that didn't make the tournament, and even though we had the best road record of anybody in the country, and best neutral road besides University of Houston, just felt like our team was capable of winning a championship and wanted to make sure that they knew that we had a new plan that we needed to play for. So that was a part of it. I knew this team loved each other and just needed another opportunity and and some time. And so tried to turn the page as quickly as possible.
2: Cause what
3: he was asked is, Hey, you've won an NIT championship before as a part of the Baylor program years ago. And so that's why I think he's he's kind of g- going on past experiences and and and, and basically what, what I what I hear him saying is this team wasn't just ready to call it quits and go their separate ways just yet. We wanted to kind of keep going. They like being around each other. I think there's some good experience to to, to be had. He was also asked in, in some separate ways about because I think a lot of these kids have have come back. Okay and. And I think there's some some tenured experience, not just not just old, but experience together with their team, which is why they're on the cusp of, of winning 30 games. But he pointed to you know Florida Atlantic as well, and and said the same thing about them, and that if you go look at at Dusty May's roster at Florida Atlantic going to Houston, ironically, the one transfer that Florida Atlantic has came from. Oh, oh don't, don't do it. it. Texas Tech, baby. We provide to all. I mean, <laughs> we're we the send, farm system. We send them out into the world, and they just—they just flourish, man. It's like, fly like fly. The, <laughs> because uh, my man <laughs> Vlad Goldine uh, was about as good and dominant of a player in that entire regional as there was, and I think, uh, excuse yeah. me,
0: Chris. Uh, Charles Barkley called him Vlad Kareem <laughs> Golden. So that hurt even worse to hear. I mean, yeah. good grief. Uh, I mean, geez. But every every one of those other guys
3: are are guys that have stayed around uh, Florida Atlantic and all that. And so I think I think uh, Coach McCasm was kind of talking about, you know. And, and so what I hear him ultimately saying, okay, to, using Florida Atlantic as an experience, using his own team as an experience, because he even said when we upset Purdue in the NCAA tournament, a few years ago, because Purdue <clears throat> Purdue has lost these three first-round matchups against, what, a 13, a 12, and a 16, I think, in, in three consecutive years. Well, I think the first one was against uh, North Texas. I think McCaslin's uh, team pulled that off a couple years ago, but they had a ton of guys back Okay, on that team, and so they were very experienced together. But what I hear him ultimately saying, I hear him, it's the culture word. It's like, we have a good culture. We have, we have good kids. Kids don't want to leave. Now, that's Pollyannish ish a bit to think that you're not going to have kids that, that go into the portal and all that stuff. But the premise is still the same in that, you know, we hey, my team likes playing for each other, with each other, want to keep going, all those things. So we'll see what it looks like tonight uh, at 6 o'clock.
0: Make of that what you will. And, of course, stick with us. Uh, Through the week as we're not quite sure when the resolution could come to the surface, but obviously if they're bounced from the tournament, uh, heads are going to be on a swivel, but need to remain that way. I think either way as we get to the end of the week, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube so you never miss an episode with anything that might be covered here with Grant McCaslin and the future of the head coaching search artificially intelligent or otherwise okay we're (laughs) going to leave the round ball there let's get to the oblong ball that didn't roll off the tongue as smoothly as i thought it might in my head football is next spring camp is in progress and we've already heard from offensive coordinator zach kitley here recently we're going to hear from defensive coordinator tim de coming up next we'll get to some big picture things as far as some experience on the roster the process of acclimating yourself to being a Red Raider for some of these newcomers. Also a secondary that I think is really, really an interesting talking point heading into the season, something to focus in on uh, as you see a little bit of shuffle there, but also some really key returners on the back end of Tim DeRuiter's defense. We'll get to all of the above coming up next on Locked on Texas Tech. Thanks for joining us on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network. Appreciate being your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. Hope you'll check out Locked On College Basketball for your second listen. One stop college hoops shop. And I've heard from some, hey, Casey, we want to make multiple stops in a college hoops shop. We don't like just the one stop. Fine. Go back over and over and over again to Locked On College Basketball for your second listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, switching gears from hoops to spring camp, Joey McGuire and the Red Raiders underway and wanted to take a listen today to defensive coordinator Tim DeRuiter on a couple of different topics, obviously, had a very impactful season for Texas Tech as a team overall um, on the defensive side of the football last year it felt like that has been the thing really for uh, a number of, of recent years, I guess I would say. Uh, that has led your team. That's been the best aspect of your football team as far as you were going to go or otherwise. It was going to be because of what your defense was going uh, to be able to achieve. I think even going back into the Matt Wells era, you've had some teams like that. Probably not something that maybe Tech fans are all that accustomed to, but if you look close, I think that's mostly been the reality. So a lot of people happy with Tim DeRuiter, I think, in West Texas. I was glad to see him be here in the first place and glad to see some of that uh, fruit that he was able to produce in a short amount of time. But, Chris, as we roll into another season now, there are guys who are, quote-unquote, experienced within Tim DeRuiter's scheme and what he wants to see on the field. Obviously, some newcomers now going to be in the mix as well. But I was interested to hear Coach DeRuiter speak on some of that experience and some of the process, I guess I would say, when it comes to acclimation and some of the things they go through during this time of year. Here is Coach DeRooter.
2: The difference is it's the same package or, you know, for the most part, we tweak it every, every year. But our install schedules has been taking a sip out of fire hydrant for these young guys. Uh, the older guys, you know, they've, they've got a 1,000 reps in it, so we've been able to put it in quicker. But I've been impressed with, with guys like Steve that uh, he hasn't flinched. Uh, and a lot of our younger guys, uh, you know, BJ, uh, Brendan Jordan, in secondary, he's picked it up like he's been running it for a while. So, you know, some guys are swimming a little bit, but
3: other guys, you know, it's impressive to see their football IQ. You, you know, uh, and Cowan, I think it, it's it's funny because I think both Zach and Tim kind of have similar mindsets this spring in that they have so many guys back, which is why there's some expectations with this team. But They have so many guys back. They've been, been able to install their stuff quicker and more of it. And I think that's where you start taking next steps as a program, whenever you really get into, Hey, these guys know what we were doing. And, and in fact, uh, they're surrounded like the, the new guys are surrounded by so many veteran type guys mm-hmm. that have played so many snaps in, in a, in a certain system, what on either side of the ball, which, which makes it so much easier for the new guys to kind of acclimate because
0: everywhere they turn, somebody has got an answer for them. Uh, yeah. but it, you know, and then that's when well, go ahead. Chris, I was going to say too, I think as a fan, sometimes you just think, all right, they're out there practicing repetition, 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 but you can't have productive reps until the install has really taken root, right? Like there's a right. whole installation phase where you've got to kind of understand what needs to be repped because until that point, the, the reps may not be yielding what you need them to. So that, that's one thing I think is easy, at least for me speaking personally, to gloss over as a fan kind of when you hit, you know, practice time. But that's, that's a big advantage. I mean, it goes without saying experience is an advantage, but I think that's one of kind of, like on a, a, a more local level, that, that's one of the reasons why it can be a big advantage.
3: Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I think, like Steve Linton, for example, I, I think it's important to note that part of their eval process, when they go looking into the portal and like they're like, hey, we need a pass rusher. You know, they they, they they look into, hey, how, how bright is this kid? How how much does he can he comprehend and grasp football and all those different kinds of things? Because we we we, I don't want to say they run a complex scheme on that side of the ball, but there's there's something to it. I mean, you got a there, there's a lot of different you know things that they that they're doing and, and and all that, and so you you've got to be able to comprehend some of that. So I think it, it's it's worth mentioning that in the recruiting process and the portal process, they bring in kids that they, they check that box too where they feel like it. You know, like, hey, he can he could pick up what we're doing and grasp it and, and, and go coach it because, like, for example, a guy like Josiah Pierre, I think the light came on, you know, late in the season last year, you know, and I think once he started to kind of grasp the scheme because it was everybody's first year. Uh, you know, in, in 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 Tim's system, but once the light came on, it's like, okay, I I I got it now. But I think that's important to note about Linton, who I I always think it's funny because they always say, man, yeah, the other swimming right now is swimming hard <laughs> to, to a lot of people. Uh, it, it, I mean, <laughs> because that's always that's always like the the, the analogy that they use. I, yeah. I think most people, if you throw them in water, they're they're not going to sink. I mean, they'll, they'll be able to swim or or just maybe it or- just
0: like requires all of your energy all your body's focused in energy maybe okay. like we get Touche. halfway through the season chris and they're uh six and one we'll hear joey mcguire say these boys are on the lazy river they're just floating <laughs> now baby they're just floating now um i think the intelligence aspect of that is is really interesting and i always think of jimmy johnson when that kind of thing is brought up because he had so many quips about smart and dumb football players, one of which was something along the lines of hit me in the head with a hammer. The next time I take a dumb guy, Um, because even (laughs) simple schemes, simple schemes can become complicated or complex to a dumb guy. And it's not like they all got to be road scholars out there. Obviously not, but the advantage of someone who can be, and it's not like intelligence, like I'm over in the biology lab right after football practice. I'm not, To me, it's not really that kind of intelligence, Chris, but there is, there's like some maturity. There's some even keeledness that is all wrapped up in that because when the first starts flying, things start breaking down a smart guy uh, in whatever capacity or however you define that personally, I I think is a guy that's more adept at adapting. That's really all I would say it almost comes down to is just being able to adapt. So it's not like, you know, what's the square root of such and such. (laughs) and they can offer that up on a plate though maybe some of them can i don't know but i think it's maybe is an ability to adapt which kind of means working on the fly and if you're a little bit more quick or, or whatever it might be between the years you've got an opportunity to do that i i think jimmy johnson i don't know if i ever heard another coach talk about it more you're a cowboys fan i'm sure you got some of those memories but just don't give me dumb guys i can work with an undersized guy that's not a dumb guy but uh Coach Johnson seemed like he was the dude that was really waving that banner, at least in my lifetime of watching football that I really remember.
3: Oh, oh he uh, Michael Irvin could be sleeping in a team meeting and another guy could be sleeping that couldn't play. And it, it's like, well, Mike can do everywhere right. You on the other hand, you, you're cut. I think Kervin Richards was his name uh the running back uh Curvin. nobody was, recall Curvin, the playmaker Yeah, swerving Curvin, richards there was uh, uh there may have been a linebacker from texas a&m too that uh that was shown the door just because he was uh being a, a knucklehead if i memory serves but yeah i, I think i uh, could throw that in <laughs> there,
0: there <laughs> you Man, go on the door
3: <laughs> <laughs> there you go um I, you know Ruffin McNeil used to say this all the time and 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 Ruffin's whenever he kind of took over his DC it was all about energy and you know motivation and just this this try hard kind of aspect and it was it was fairly base package but he'd always used to say the reason I do that is is cl- clear minds equal fast legs and so the quicker kids can grasp it and understand it you play faster and if it's a split second faster here or there, sometimes that's the difference in, in getting there to make a tackle or giving up sixty yard uh, touchdown run. You know, I mean that's just the reality of that's true. the margin for error on the on the sport. I mean, you know, like the we'll, we'll talk about this in tomorrow's show, but the pro day is tomorrow uh, for for Texas Tech athletes. You know, a bunch of scouts will be here. Uh, Tyree Wilson, I don't think we'll go through a ton, but I, I say split second matters because. You are trying to tell me that a four three it doesn't you know what's that compared to a four five? Yeah. I, I mean I, I mean <laughs> the NFL folks would tell you well that's worth this much money. I mean you know if you're th- this much faster. So anyway that's that's the only reason why I bring that up. But uh, but it's it's got to be well, fun and- for for Tim to have so many guys back though. I guess is the whole point.
0: The ability to play fast, but also recognize things very quickly. Yes. Um, and I think if you're just unencumbered uh, kind of between the years as far as I don't know, being uptight or, or whatever way you want to describe it, clearly you can be uh, a better football player. Um, I think, Chris, for my money's worth, I mean, there are a couple of positional groups on both sides of the football, clearly, that I, I would rank pretty high as far as offseason focuses and priorities, at least for me as a fan, just generally as far as what I think is really important when it comes to Tech trying to take the next step and what generally um, I'm interested in seeing be better than it was a season ago. I've touched on things like the offensive line. It doesn't mean always, though, that, hey, they were bad and now they need to be good or something like that. One of the interesting spots I really feel like on either side of the football, any phase of the game, is the defensive secondary because you really had some impactful players within that group a season ago. You had some impactful returners from that group a season ago that we'll see in 23, but also some of the more interesting additions or newcomers, San Diego State transfers we've talked about before, CJ Baskerville among some others. So one of the spots I think you would be wise to focus in on as a Texas Tech fan this offseason is that defensive secondary. And here is – once again, Tim DeRooter. But first, today's episode brought to you by America's number one sports book, FanDuel. And with the NCAA tournament on and popping right now, is the perfect time to get busy, get signed up, and get started with FanDuel. And right now, new customers are in a prime spot to be on the receiving end of that no sweat first bet. We're talking up to $1,000 back. And bonus bets, if your first bet don't bank, baby, $1,000. So just go to fanduel.com and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can lay it all on the line on everything from the money line to point spreads, which team is cutting down the nets, all on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use, even if you're a first timer. So don't miss your shot at the no sweat first bet up to 1000 thousand bucks when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and make every moment more with FanDuel. So one of the spots I think you would be wise to focus in on as a Texas Tech fan this offseason is that defensive secondary. And here is once again Tim DeRooter.
2: You know the new guys that are on campus are really, really talented. You know, I mentioned before PJ's really stood out you know at times you can see you know, our corners run. Mo Horn's done a nice job out here. Now he's got experience, so he should be able to understand things. Uh, but Jordan's been, been, you know, really good. Uh, Chapman's flashed at times. He can really run. He's got to get thicker. Uh, and then CJ's act like, you know, he's played before. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you would expect that who's played, you know, Division One snaps. But he's come on and he understands, you know, the system. Uh, the terminology's different, but he understands where to be and he's, He's going to be a physical presence out there.
3: Yeah, so he, he touches on several of the new pieces, and and so the, some of the guys that uh, he mentions are going to play the positions that say Marquise Waters did in CJ Baskerville's uh, you know case, and then I think there's some opportunities for some some corners or some slot uh, type stuff that that you know that Kobe Miner, uh, Reggie Pearson's positions. You know, Tyler Owens will we'll move into the starting spot uh, vacated by Reggie Pearson. But you, you need depth there. And then I think you need a third and a fourth corner. Uh, and, and I think Jordan Sanford uh, is, is somebody in Mohorn uh, who was dinged up a bit last year. So those are those are the spring really is about people like Tim just talked about. <clears throat> mm. it's, it's not for it is for for everybody. But I mean, it, it really is about some of these some of these youthful guys that really need to take the next steps and really need to work their way in and learn because opportunities are going to be there for them and it's just a matter of which one or which one of them takes it, you know. Uh yeah. And and, and these are these are some freshmen here. These are some redshirt freshmen and this is a a a portal guy in Baskerville's case that have all come in here. Mohorn was I think Mo Horn, uh, Maurice Horn, well, he would have played some last year had he not been dinged up. But I think he kind of missed uh, much of the year. So I, th- I think that you know this is a big spring for him. Just kind of acclimating. Fall camp will be big for him as well because I mean, Kobe Minor, p- people didn't probably think too much about it at the time. But I mean, he would have been a he would have been like next up in my opinion as starting corner if if one of your starters would have gone down and really kind of considered. A semi-starter uh, with 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 some of the experience that he had and all that, and I think he obviously wanted to start. So I think he's playing at the University of Indiana uh, right now. But that was a sneaky tough loss, if that makes sense. I think some guys in the pool mm. you you lost, and it didn't. But you you've got plenty of guys that can that can uh, fill that role. You just you're trying to identify who they are, and I think uh, Tim just lists off several of them now.
0: Uh, a couple of specific guys before we're out of here today, I want to get to from. Coach DeRuiter, he's already mentioned the name Steve, <laughs> that being Steve Linton, and he's yeah. mentioned Josiah Pierre. Let's start with the newcomer and Steve Linton because I already feel like the hype balloon has got some air in it for Mr. Linton, Chris, and I uh, couldn't pick the guy out of a lineup, so I will defer to those who have seen him uh, do something so far, one of those being Tim DeRuiter.
2: Well, you know, as we, we looked in the offseason. You know, knowing that Tyree was going to be going to the pros, you want to get a a guy who's exceptional as an edge rusher. And so we looked at all the guys in the portal, you know, really primarily looking for a guy who can rush some faster, and we thought he was a guy that had a different get-off than most everybody else that was in that board. Uh, He he hadn't played a ton, but he played some, you know, quality reps, and we thought he really fit what we are looking for in that position. Uh, Since he's been here, he's gained a ton of weight. He's jumped in with two feet. Uh, really like the way he works, and uh, I mean, we haven't slowed down our insult, and he's picking things up. He's a smart player who works hard, and I think his future's very, very bright.
3: Yeah, you know, and I think uh, I, I think it tells you a lot about Linton. In that they, as good as uh, Pierre was uh, at that edge spot, they they move Linton there. At the tail end of last season, I say they move Linton there and then move uh, Pierre back to, to kind of one of the the uh, Mike or Will linebacker. And I just you know I, I think uh, th- this is going to be somebody that is asked to kind of replace the disruption that Tyree Wilson caused—an impossible task. Uh, but I, <laughs> I I think luck. yeah exactly. But I think he's about six. have th- stood by him. He's about six three ish, maybe a little taller, uh, about two thirty. And very smart, uh, very quick and athletic. I, I think uh, we've talked about this some before. In that, Syracuse asked him to do some different things with their scheme, and kind of you know get get inside a bit and in, in some of those fits instead of being on the edge and and kind of playing the field and, and and doing some different things. And I think Texas Tech able to identify it. But all that being said, he's shown up here, and I think that. You know, I mean, for, for the head coach, for the defensive coordinator, for other players, for – I mean, James Blanchard has has kind of stuck it out there and said, look, man, best edge rushing duo, talking about him and Miles Cole, that, 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 that may be in the Big 12. I, I think everybody, you know, is heaping a ton of praise, and by all accounts – I think Steve Linton is a fairly kind of quiet guy. I don't think he's like this loud and boisterous rah-rah asking for all this uh, attention or expectation or whatever. He's just kind of out there playing ball and doing his thing. Heck, he might not even be aware of it. I don't I don't know, but uh, those of us that are listening to these people in charge of this program in various aspects uh, certainly have, have mentioned Mr. Linton's name a lot and frequently, uh, and we've just gotten started here in the spring.
0: Did you, uh, when you were standing next to him, did you try to move him off his spot just to test the leverage? (laughs) You you like that term, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not a pint-sized guy yourself, Chris. (laughs) I'm just wondering how Steve might stack up to Big Handsome. Hey, we're running out of time, but I want to get to this other name because you're kind of talking about him right there as far as uh, how one affected the other or the domino Mm -hmm. between the two in Linton. And Josiah Pierre, who absolutely came on as the season went along last year, Here's Coach i on Pierre. Well, he's
2: going to be both at Mike and Will, uh, but he's looked really, really good. Um, I didn't realize when we, when we came here last year, uh, you know, he had played like an outside position for them. I assumed he was an edge, just looking at his length and 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 looking for what we were looking for. And I thought he did some good things, um, but he he told me in the offseason that he had played inside before, and we're lacking a little bit of experience inside and. Whether he played inside a year ago in our system or just in general, it's hard to replace game reps, uh, you know, especially at Division One level. So we put him in there, and, and he's still picking up the, the terminology. But he, he's got really good movement for an inside linebacker. We do a lot of things. You know, remember last year where our inside backers are going to walk to an edge. So it kind of goes with what, what he's already done in the past. Uh, so if he can pick that up, and I think he can, Uh, it gives us a chance to have another weapon as an inside guy who can also combo as an outside guy.
3: So what, what, what this allows is, you know, cause what, what Tim is talking about is Kosai and Krishan were, were just about as durable of a linebacker tandem as there was in the league. They were extremely productive. Uh, I think they flashed at times, but they were just steady and, and made plays and, and I think that you couldn't have asked for anything more. I mean, that's that's one of the things. We should spend some time on that someday. You, you've been on a really good run here with good linebackers, man. Dakota yeah. Allen, Jordan Brooks, uh, Rico Jeffers, Colin Schooler. I mean, you've had some serious dudes here that are either in the NFL or in the XFL or whatever because you, the, the, those, the, you, you've just been on a nice run. And I think Kosai and Krishan belong in that conversation absolutely, which is a heck of a compliment. 100%. And so, yeah. trying to replace those guys is the biggest question you've got on your entire defense. I don't, I don't think it's trying to replace Tyree Wilson. I think it's who, who do we have that can play those two linebacker spots? And and as Tim said, we really need four guys. So when you come into camp, or come into spring, spring, uh, I guess practices, I guess not, not actually camp. But Jacob Rodriguez, I thought was going to be one of those guys. He's out. He's got a shoulder issue. He's out for the spring. Tyreek Matthews is a guy that played some last year. Uh, he's an older guy, but I think Pierre, it will it gives them an answer, potentially. Now, let's dare to dream a little bit. What if, what if by some way we get word on Kosai Eldridge in the next couple of weeks that he is back and he can play? And he's been out there. He's been out at practices. He's been... You know, he can't practice, but he's been out there, which he's allowed to do and working out on his own here in Lubbock and all those things. But what if you get him back? All of a sudden, I I think you go from, I mean, it just adds more like expectation or it adds more, you know, because at that point, you've kind of solved one of your issues. It also allows Josiah Pierre to to really be kind of this this guy that could fill in behind Linton, he could fill in behind it at linebacker, it just makes you deeper and better. So you're protected from injury, you're protected from if 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 Tim doesn't want to play one of these guys 90 plays, he just wants to play him 60, you know, now you get a fresh very good athlete in there that that is playing the other. I mean, it just it just makes you that much better. So cuz that's the first thing I thought of is that if if Kosai comes back, I mean it It really, you know, makes somebody like Josiah Pierre like this luxury. I mean, he's this guy that, like, he's a really good, old, experienced player. We can sit him off the edge. We can put him in the middle. We can do a a variety of different things, but we are now protected. He's a hell of an insurance policy if you get Kosai Eldridge uh, eligible, but we'll see. Otherwise, he could be a starter next to somebody
0: like Jacob Rodriguez if that's the way it works Mm -hmm. out. You don't know where he could be coming from. Could be repelling <laughs> from the construction crane on the south end. You better keep your head on a swivel I with just, uh, Josiah Pierre.
3: And, and, and my favorite thing about the Josiah Pierre, JP, whatever they, uh, whatever anybody wants to call him, is that you have know, Keith Patterson, when he was at D.C., uh, we were sitting uh, in, in the hotel lobby before, before Texas Tech played Houston, so two seasons ago, and it, the game was in Houston. And we knew how big that game was, but he's like, He's like Pierre walked by and he goes water moccasin right there. He goes he can get after it because he, he, and, and <laughs> he's from Florida or, or played at University of Florida. Anyway, I just uh, KP always had nicknames for everybody, so I just thought I've never forgotten that. Uh, and 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 Pierre thinks it, he thought it was hilarious, but man, he's he's a really good football player. I'm glad you have
0: him. Man, that group of linebackers has been. A ton of fun to watch yeah. and uh, quite a luxury, I think, over the last decade plus, really, when you're talking about some of the guys you mentioned. I mean, Schooler, Jeffers, Merriweather, uh, Jordan Brooks, all the way back to Blake Dees and Kenny Williams, who you left off the list for some reason. I'm not quite sure. But uh, either way, hope you can keep that run going. Chris, <laughs> enjoy the time and the perspectives. As always, my man, we have got a coaching search ongoing that will continue to cover for some period of time. We do believe this week brings about zero hour. We'll uh, see what it holds tonight as Coach McCaslin and company are back in action in the NIT, or possibly a few days from now. But we'll be here either way to take it in with you. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube so you miss nothing. Chris, thanks for the time, man. Enjoyed it as always. Enjoyed
3: it. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Coach uh, Cowan, uh, we'll talk to you later as the week goes along and uh, we'll see what happens with this NIT
0: game tonight because uh, closure could be near, question mark. I don't know. We'll see. That's right. All right. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Make us your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts each day. And for your second listen, check out Locked On College Basketball right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. For Chris, I'm Casey. Have a great one. We'll see you on the other side on Locked On Texas Tech.